Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Thursday. It's June 29th. And that app promotion, as I suggest you download the KDOS 1060 app, Register and follow along with the opportunities to get yourself eligible for a $100 gift certificate brought to you by Superbook Sports. It's happening through the month of June, and as it is, the 29th of June, time is winding down. Uh, It is Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Bob is on a scheduled day off, expected to return in the sports zone tomorrow, 9 a.m. Kind of a complicated uh, programming schedule for you, but we'll go through it a couple of more times here. Uh, So scheduled to be on with you tomorrow as normal, and then off on Monday and Tuesday, that's July 3rd and 4th in celebration of Independence Day. We'll be with you July 5th through the 7th, and then on vacation July 10th through 14th, and planning to return on July 17th. Plenty to get into in today's program, and let's kick things off with the KDOS1060.com question and the poll question is uh, in regards to the NBA are you more or less interested in the NBA free agency process with the Suns current roster situation and uh, when we're looking at, at uh, could it be any more compact than it is right now with the options being more same or less all of them are at 33% of the vote. So we'll uh, continue to monitor that throughout the program and answer the question around 1130 today. Tossing it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060, sticking with the Suns and NBA free agency theme. Should the Suns bring back Tory Craig? And the masses right now are on the yes side of things at 84.6% of the vote, no trailing at 15.4%. Cast your vote on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060 and we'll answer it around 1130 today. Uh, We'll also dive into the world of NBA, NBA free agency as we'll pop on out to the KDOS hotline around 1015 today to be joined by James Herbert, CBSSports.com to chat NBA, NBA free agency and the Phoenix Suns. NBA free agency talks can officially begin Friday 3 p.m. local time Uh, Contracts can't be signed, though, until July 6th. But uh, the talk portion of things is always interesting and always entertaining. So we'll get James's perspective on everything going on in the world of the NBA here shortly. We'll also pop on out to the KDOS hotline around 1115. Uh, The U.S. Women's World Cup 
It's coming up before you know it. And for the United States, group play gets started on July 21st. We're going to catch up with Jeff Reuter of The Athletic to talk about this U.S. women's national soccer team. There might be some names that have made the team that you've heard in the past and some names in reliance on a lot of young players this time around as the United States women's team is looking for a three-peat. So we'll see uh, how everything unfolds with Jeff around 11.15 today. But let's go back to last night momentarily and discuss the Arizona Diamondbacks in that battle with the Tampa Bay Rays. The Diamondbacks ended up losing 3-2. to two. There were some positives, though, last night. Zach Davies had a great start against a really good team and a really good offensive team as well. Uh, coming into the contest, Davies struggled up here in the majors, a 7.82 ERA, but last night for him, It was seven innings, two hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. It was exactly what the Diamondbacks needed in a situation where they were playing the Rays. It was exactly what they needed for a team that has the best record in baseball, being those Tampa Bay Rays. Plus, following the news about Merrill Kelly going on the injured list, you needed somebody to kind of step up in a situation and give you a positive start. As Bob always talks about with this team, it's that you feel as though you need to win those Contests where Merrill Kelly starts and where Zach Gallen starts. And if Merrill Kelly is on the injured list here, who is going to step up and be able to provide a, a quality start here? And Zach Davies did that last night. The Diamondbacks provided him some run support as well. The party got started in the third. It was three straight two-out singles from Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, and Cattell Marte. Cattell Marte being the one that drove in that run in the third third uh it ended up being his 44th rbi this season so Cattell Marte, we discussed a little bit about him in yesterday's show how he's really starting to find his his game once again at the plate this season and uh for the team itself christian walker leads the team in rbis with 54 Cattell, corbin carroll and lourdes guriel jr all have 44 rbis this year a second run was tacked on for the diamondback in that fourth inning. It was Carson Kelly driving in Christian Walker for the Rays. Zach Eflin, he's he did his job for Tampa Bay, and he certainly stepped up in a, a depleted Rays uh, rotation due to injuries for themselves. Uh, he went seven innings, seven hits, two runs, seven strikeouts. His manager, Kevin Cash, saying last night, Eflin was pretty special. Uh, anytime a guy goes out there that efficient, pretty dominant, gives up only two runs, we feel like we should do enough offensively to get him the win. And for the Diamondbacks, it all came down to that pivotal ninth inning. Tori Lovello commenting after the game, the ninth inning is what makes this game so beautiful. You love it and you can hate it at the same time. For the Diamondbacks last night, the ninth inning was not kind to them with Scott McGuff. Uh, Previously, heading into last night's contest, it was 22 and a third consecutive scoreless innings for him. So he had really started to find something, even though the record there uh, is 0-6 now for Scott McGuff. He had really kind of turned a corner uh, in his his outings and his production there from the bullpen. But it was uh, Yandy Diaz and Wander Franco starting things off with singles. Diaz uh, bring, 
being brought home by Luke Rayleigh. McGuff rallied with two outs, but then Josh Lowe was the hero for for the Rays, bringing home Franco and Rayleigh to uh, put them on top three to two. You could look at it as well that the defense behind McGuff didn't help him. Uh, that there was a potential there to turn a double play. Maybe things are going to be completely different in that ninth inning if that double play does get turned. Uh, But when you look at just kind of how things have gone for this Diamondbacks bullpen, and it's unfortunate that it just happened to be yesterday that I posed the question to Bob, are, are you feeling a little bit better about the bullpen situation for the Diamondbacks? Are you feeling better and more confident with McGuff in this particular role? By the numbers, the Diamondbacks bullpen ERA is 4.14 this season. That ranks 21st in the majors. Best in the league happens to be the New York Yankees at 2.83. The Guardians at 2.92. Padres as a team, 3.41. The Mariners, 3.52. The Twins, 3.56. And then your Braves at 3.60 in terms of bullpen ERA so far this season. The opportunity presents itself, though, for the Diamondbacks to... uh, to, to, to still be atop of the NL West standings, and they had some help last night uh, with the Blue Jays beating the Giants 6-1 to and the Rockies beating the Dodgers 9-8. to They also have the opportunity to still win this series uh, at the 12.40 p.m. start today on Bally Sports Arizona with the Rays sending Zach Lytle to the mound, who's 0-1, 6.57 ERA, 11 strikeouts. And the Diamondbacks here, though, because of this Merrill Kelly situation, going back to AAA Reno, we're calling Brandon fought to the mound. He struggled when he was up here in the bigs, which is what sent him back down to AAA. He was really hit hard in his last start. So we'll see how he bounces back. Expectations are obviously pretty high for him uh, up here in the majors. He is 0-2, 8.37 ERA, 18 strikeouts. We'll see how Brandon Fott uh, can can bounce back in another opportunity here for him up in the bigs. Uh, Martinez, though, was uh, recalled, uh, sent back down to AAA to make this move possible. So that's going to be a 12.40 p.m. start for the Diamondbacks this afternoon. And and something that we've also been monitoring, just uh, how we can continue to consume these Diamondbacks games because of the situation going on with Diamond Sports and bankruptcy and not wanting to make their payments to certain teams. And one of the teams that was on this list was the Arizona Diamondbacks that supposedly they were not going to make their payments. That situation coming due July 1st, that's right around the corner. So what's going to happen? We haven't really heard a whole lot about uh, the possibilities of, of where coverage can continue. And you have, of course, throughout this entire process, Major League Baseball saying that they will take over the production elements of things. We've already seen it happen with the San Diego Padres. There has been reports here that the bankruptcy hearing involving all of this with Diamond Sports is reportedly now set for July 17th. And with that date, games will remain on Valley Sports Arizona until at least that point. So we have now until July 17th to figure out uh, what the status is going to be for these Diamondbacks games. Uh, you know, you just hope that you figure this out because they're a fun team to watch. They're obviously leading the NL West. Local people want to know what's going on with the Diamondbacks. So certainly you hope that you can figure this out, but at least for now, until July 17th, we'll know that the games remain on Bally Sports Arizona. 
We will turn our attention to the world of the NBA, heading on out to the KDOS hotline. James Herbert set to join us, CBSSports.com. Plenty to dive into, get his reaction as well, why not, about Bradley Beal coming to the Phoenix Suns, how this sets the team up in terms of how they're basically barreling toward that uh, luxury tax apron too. What does that leave them available for free agency talks that begin tomorrow, 3 p.m. local time? So we'll get James's perspective on the other side of the break. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. NBA free agency discussions can get underway on Friday, 3 p.m. local time, although players can't sign until July 6th. But there's still plenty of movement, and so we're popping on out to the KDOS hotline. James Herbert, CBSSports.com, set to help us figure out what's going on in the NBA. James, appreciate at the time on the program. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome here. Uh, I set up uh, the the free agency discussion, but I have you, so I have to ask here. Uh, The Phoenix Suns, it's also new, so we need your opinion. Bradley Beal and the trade for him to come here to Phoenix. Uh, Beal, Katie, Booker, how can they coexist on the court? Where's the defense coming from? Yeah, I, I think offensively they'll coexist just fine. I mean, they should enhance each other, honestly. I mean, they are not full of a bunch of great passers on this Suns team, but provided um, that they run an offense that kind of gets those different guys involved in different spots, I think they'll pile up a ton of points. I mean, this will be kind of the easiest looks that Brad Beal has ever had in his NBA career, if not his life, um, playing with those other two guys when they're all on the floor together and then you know in the event that any one of them has to miss a game or a stretch because he's hurt this makes it a lot easier to to get through those stretches it makes a lot easier just in the course of a normal game like you can probably keep two of them on the court at all times if you choose to i'm sure come the postseason time they they will be doing that for 48 minutes defense is obviously the big question and i think more than just defense um it's can they find guys in free agency who can both play defense and also like survive the playoff crucible, like be able to stay on the floor, hit a three pointer, actually force the opposing team um, to close out on them um, and kind of not just pack the paint against the Suns team and not just throw double and triple teams at, at Durant and Booker and try to force those guys to, to get the ball out of their hands. I think Beal's presence helps just in the fact they have a third, like really high level creator on the team, but they still need um, to make some moves here to get this thing a little more balanced. Let's talk about some balance here and making some moves and cap space and at least mathematically what makes sense is trying to move DeAndre Ayton's contract to be able to create some space and bring a couple of players of need in return. Uh, it doesn't look like, though, based upon several reports that the Suns are getting uh, the value that they want in return for Ayton. So it looks like as of now, moving forward with Ayton on the roster, do you just see this, though, as being a summer full of constant conversation and nothing 
really being settled? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's what it seems like right now. These things can change. Um, if an offer for Aiden comes in that gets the Suns multiple rotation players and kind of fixes their depth issues, their depth issues, uh, they would be silly not to consider that. And not, not because of all the history that Aiden's had uh, with the franchise and kind of the issues that he had with now former coach Monty Williams, just because this team is super top heavy. Like if you can, if you feel like you can, you know, survive whatever you might be downgrading in the center aspect of it, but you're getting some other wings that can play or getting a point guard that you trust. And that just kind of makes sense from a roster building perspective. I just don't know that there's a deal out there right now that, that would satisfy all of those things that I'm not sure that Aiden having signed like effectively a max contract um, when he was a restricted free agent um, and coming off a season that was a little up and down and, and a playoff run um, that, that wasn't super great in that series. I don't think his value is as high as it would need to be for the Suns to get, to, to get what they're looking for. So cap space, like that's not happening. That's not even happening. If you trade eight and they're so far over the cap, so far over the tax that that is just, not realistic like they are living in a completely different world um with these three stars making as much money as they're making that they're basically blowing through um what we used to call the apron now it's the second apron that's going to be super restrictive in the coming years with with the new cba and i I think if anything they'll be looking to add more money um which sounds counterintuitive because of how high the payroll already is but just because it is going to be so difficult to add to the roster next summer and then the summer after that and the summer after that and not just in the summer, like during the season, they're going to end up not being able to sign buyout guys. They're going to be banned from making trades where they're taking back more money that is coming in because this is what like the new world of, of the NBA is like the NBA has put in a bunch of rules that are supposed to dissuade teams from even putting a team like this together in the first place. Well, the Suns have done that. So now what it seems like they're going to do, uh, they might re- they might overpay some of their own um, free agents so they have some bigger contracts that they can potentially move in trades um, and that kind of thing. It's, they're in really weird territory. There's not a single other team in the NBA um, pursuing this exact strategy. You saw the Clippers wave Eric Gordon uh, to save money Yesterday, you saw the Warriors dump Jordan Poole's contract, uh, essentially, um, the other week. And the Suns are the one team that is just kind of steamrolling through and, and saying we're going to be an incredibly expensive team, but we're going to try to maximize this window over the next few years while Kevin Durant is still one of the best players in the NBA. It's, it's a really weird situation. So maximizing this period of time with these three players here uh, with the free agency market set to get at least talks get started here on Friday. Who is viable then to come to Phoenix? Uh, Obviously, they need a lot. Uh, So with that in mind, who's potentially available here? Where are where are the Suns brass looking? Okay, so I'm not going to be naming the the huge names. I'm not going to be talking about like James Harden or Draymond Green or anything like that. Like we're basically talking about um, guys who might take minimum contracts to come to Phoenix, guys who want to be able to take this opportunity, actually get in the rotation for a championship contender. I mean, I I could see the Suns maybe getting in the Torian uh, Prince business after he was just waived by Minnesota. They could even just go in and claim him 
um, not even wait for him to, to clear waivers if they want to. That contract, they might see that as a good thing um, that he's making $7.4 million because they need those salaries that I was talking about um, for future trades. That would make sense to me. Uh, Eric Gordon, that's another one. I kind of doubt they would claim it, but, I mean, they, they could do it, I guess, if they wanted a $20.9 million contract. I don't know if they'd go that far. Um, but once he clears waivers, I mean, that's another name that's been linked to Phoenix like a million times <laughs> over the last few trade deadlines. They, they never got him, but he still makes sense in terms of his skill set. Um, I've seen Yuta Watanabe's name pop up in a bunch of um, rumors, and that's the guy that I had circled even before I saw that because I, I live in Brooklyn. I, I watched Yuta this past season be one of the best spot-up shooters in the NBA. He's 6'8", super long arms, plays really hard defensively. Um, and if that three ball is going, then he's absolutely a, a viable, like really good three and D guy that could play for, for any playoff team. It was just before he got to Brooklyn, he was sort of an inconsistent shooter. If the Suns buy that, they, they think he can do that. I mean, Kevin Durant saw it up close. Like, I think that would be a great get for Phoenix. And I think that's sort of what you're looking at, right? Like you're looking at three and D guys. Like I, I like you, you look at the names on the market, like a Kata Bates Diop would make sense. Like, um, even I don't know if it's realistic. Maybe it is now that Monty Williams isn't there. Maybe they can try to reunite with Jay Crowder, bring him back. You're looking at sort of veterans, um, guys that might come and say, I, I will take this minimum contract to play there um, for, for the most part. Like a, a Justin Holiday would, would maybe make sense. Like th- these are the kind of names. Like it's not, it's not that the top tier guys on the free agent market, but I do think there are a lot of guys um, that would see the Suns as a really good opportunity in terms of being able to actually get into that rotation rather than sitting at the end of the bench because they are shallow now and have a chance to contribute for a team that has a real shot at a championship. James Herbert, CBSSports.com right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Let's stay in the West. Kyrie Irving, uh, does he end up re-signing with the Mavs? And for the Mavs, if you don't bring him back and what you had to give up for for him to come, uh, do you just kind of leave looking like, wow, what just happened here? So we really do have to try to bring him back. Yeah, I think the Mavs this past week, they have received a ton of, I think, honestly, well-earned praise for what they did. On draft night, they traded down um, in the lottery, still got Derek Lively, the guy that they wanted, and then they made a trade later on to get Omax Prosper, a guy I just wrote a story about who I think will fit in incredibly well there. And they did that by taking on Rashawn Holmes' contract, and that's a guy who actually might play for them and help. Like, they, they did a great job. And all these good vibes would instantly go away if they go and um, mess up this Kyrie Irving thing. I mean, they traded – a ton to go get him last year. It was kind of a controversial move at the time. It did not work at all in, in the short term, not because he played poorly. Like he was fine, like did his normal thing, scored a bunch of points, but defensively they were atrocious. Um, they were not good. Even in the games where Irving and Luca were both on the court together, they end up missing the playoffs partially because they tanked right at the, <laughs> right at the end of the year. Like it was just a disaster. Um, but I think what they were kind of telling themselves um, when that happened was, well, this was just the first, like not even half of a season of the of the Kyrie Irving experience. And we did this to raise our ceiling in the medium to long term and get Luka Doncic uh, a partner uh, that, that he believed in. So he felt that he had enough support and he didn't have to carry everything offensively, keep Luka happy, make sure that he wants to spend the rest of his career 
in Dallas. And now they're in this situation where, in a way, um, Kyrie Irving has all the leverage in the world because if he loses, then the Mavs look awful for, for having made that trade. But the problem is, I just don't know what the market for Kyrie Irving would be outside of Dallas. The teams that have cap space are typically not the sort of teams that you think would be looking for a Kyrie Irving. I mean, a lot of them already have a point guard. A lot of them aren't even necessarily trying super hard to win right now. Like, I don't see a great fit um, from any of the cap space teams. If it's not that, um, then if he wants to leave Dallas, then it needs to be a sign-and-trade, and he needs the Mavericks cooperation so it's this weird one where everybody just kind of assumes that Kyrie will be back because both sides are kind of incentivized to make that work but we also know having seen how things played out in Brooklyn Irving can be unpredictable he can also be offended um, when he thinks that he is not being valued properly or treated properly and like his tenure in Brooklyn ended um, because they wouldn't offer him the exact type of contract extension that he wanted, like they wanted to put some stipulations on there uh, um, that, that he felt were insulting. And I don't know that the Mavs are going to come to Kyrie Irving and say, here's the, you know, four years, five years, fully guaranteed max money. Um, if, if that were the plan, I think this would be simple. This will be done immediately the second the free agent starts. But there could be an actual negotiation here in terms of just sort of the years and the provisions of like how much of it would be guaranteed. James Herbert, CBSSports.com here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. For the Lakers, they have extended qualifying offers to Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves. Uh, so what does that potentially leave them in the position to do this offseason? Not a ton in terms of like chasing free agents. Like There are still you know, some sign and trades that could be explored. They have the D'Angelo Russell situation. like That, that has to play out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that is kind of what was expected. Like, the word is they'll kind of match any, any offer for Austin Reeves. Um, I believe it was Mark Stein who reported even if a team comes in and offers them the four years, $100 million max um, that, that he could get, the Lakers would just say, okay, we'll, we'll match that and bring him back. Obviously, they love him. He had a great season last year, particularly um, down the stretch, the way he evolved. As, as a playmaker um, with that team, they do not want to lose him at all. Rui Hachimura played the best basketball of his life in, in a Lakers uniform um, last year, particularly was good um, in the playoffs. So I, I think it's a little bit of an awkward one where you don't want to overpay him based on just what he did in the playoffs. Historically, he hasn't been super efficient. He's been a pretty bad defender. Um, but, you know, he is a, a young kind of improving player that the Lakers, I think, would like to have around. So again, it's a matter of what kind of offers he gets. Um, they have the, the rights to match any offer um, that, that a team puts forth on Hachimura, just like they do with Reeves. I would be surprised if they let him go, but if some team comes out there and offers him something crazy, like it might actually be in Los Angeles's interest to let him go. Um, I, I don't anticipate as of right now that there'll be some huge, shake up the Lakers typically have fireworks in the offseason sometimes that means something great sometimes it's kind of a disaster um, but this year might be relatively quiet relative to recent offseasons in LA just because the Chris Paul thing clearly didn't happen it doesn't look like the Kyrie Irving thing is going to happen either um, so they might be kind of you know playing the same sort of game that the Suns are playing once they get past their own kind of free agents that are out there in terms of looking at the bargain bin trying to get guys 
um, to come and like sign up to play with LeBron and AD and have a chance to win a championship. Like that, that's sort of without, you know, a D'Angelo Russell sign and trade happening or anything like that. I think that's basically what you're looking at. They do have some other decisions to make. They have some non-guaranteed contracts with Malik Beasley and with Mo Bamba. But I mean, if, if there's not some big trade to make with those guys, if there isn't, you know, a drastic move where they try to get under the, the cap. Um, I, I think the simplest thing is just to bring those guys back and deal with it later. Cam Johnson, uh, you know, Brooklyn can obviously match whatever other teams offer him, but uh, would a team like the Pistons pay a lot for him to come rejoin Monty Williams there in Detroit? Sounds like it. That, that's what their recent reporting has been. Um, I, I believe, I think it was Jake Fisher at Yahoo. Um, it was Mark Stein um, on his Substack. They're both saying that, that he's kind of the number one target um, of Detroit. It makes sense. I mean, I think just in terms of the sort of age timeline, um, the connection that he has with Monty Williams. I mean, he spoke super highly of Monty, even like to me personally, where I remember talking to him in, in Brooklyn um, about his time there. And he like, he really wanted to emphasize that he had no hard feelings toward the coaching staff toward Monty um, either about the trade or about, you know, the role that he was playing in Phoenix, which obviously it increased when, when he went to uh, a Brooklyn team that had a need for a little bit more playmaking from him and from Mikel Bridges. Um, so, I mean, that would make sense. I think for Detroit, I don't know how much money uh, they they'll be willing to throw at him. I think it would have to be an absolute ton to get Brooklyn to even consider for a moment not matching Cam Johnson because the plan all along was to retain him. You don't go and trade for a guy like that if, you, if you're planning to just let him walk in free agency. I think they really like Cam as a player, as a person. I think they see him as like a core part of what they're building going forward. So um, the Pistons, if they're actually serious about poaching him rather than just trying to drive the, the price up, um, and kind of make the Nets make a tough decision. Like, I think they would have to go real high to a number that they might themselves not even be super comfortable with if, if, if they want it to be a kind of realistic thing. John Collins, uh, it seems like every trade deadline, every offseason, he was on the chopping block. Well, he finally got traded here. So are the Hawks done making moves? And, and who are they kind of building around here, trying to get themselves in some cap uh, space for, for next year with Murray, Trey Young, or both? Yeah, I, it seems like they are building around Trey Young. Um, they, they have been linked to various guys in, like, trade rumors. So I, I don't know if they are entirely still committed to DeJounte Murray right now. I would guess that he'll be back next season but be but i wouldn't like bet my life on that and i wouldn't think that he's like guaranteed to be on past the trade deadline or, or um to resign with them later the front office has changed over since the hawks um traded all those picks for him i mean it's a lot of the same people but like the lead decision maker travis schlank is gone um and it, it seems like they are kind of reorienting the team i mean they got a new coach in quinn snyder i think as of right now um, they are clearly committed to building a team around Trey Young. Usually that means maximizing spacing. Um, that is not really what Murray does. I think he's a great fit with Trey in some other ways, just in terms of giving them another playmaker. You don't want it to have to be Trey doing everything. And certainly defensively, he's like the ideal backcourt partner for Trey Young. So it could still work, but I'm not sure that they are kind of, you know, dead set on that being their their sort of 
main two guys for the long term. The Collins trade was just kind of disappointing when you think of just how this has played out over the course of the last few years. It seemed like if they would have done this earlier, they would have gotten a lot more back in return. But this is the reality of the new CBA where most of the league is trying to shed money. And if you have guys um, where even though the league views them as good players, they view them as potentially overpaid or at least not like a positive value contract, then like this is this is where you end up. Like you're not going to get much of value. Like they essentially just salary dumped him. Kind of a bummer. But I mean they do have a number of guys who can step in to that four spot and play. Like they just went and got Sadiq Bay um a few months ago. DeAndre Hunter can play a lot of minutes at the four. It opens up a, a few more minutes, I guess, for Anyeko Kongwu. Um, to come in as the backup five. John Collins wasn't playing a ton of the backup five anyway, but that is sort of a part of what he's done historically for the Hawks. Um, I think this just gives them a little bit more wiggle room to kind of see what is out there. And over the next, not just the next few weeks, but over the next few months leading up to the trade deadline and going into next summer, it gives the front office more options and more flexibility. Like Some of this is just, I think, clearly about reducing payroll, getting under the tax, and all of that, but I mean, it's not purely just them sort of being cheap, right? Like at this point, if if you are talking about trying to win and contend um, for literally every team except for the Suns, that second apron is a huge, huge concern. The Hawks are certainly no exception. James, this has been fantastic. There's plenty of more I could have dove in with you, but uh, ran out of time. Uh, should be a fun free agency period. Looking forward to following all of your work over at CBSSports.com. Have a great rest of the day. You too. Thanks so much for having me. Once again, he is James Herbert there with CBSSports.com. And uh, since we've been talking here with James, it appears that Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report TNT is reporting things on Kyrie Irving, expected to meet with the Phoenix Suns along with the Dallas Mavericks and possibly other teams when free agency begins tomorrow. Uh, League sources are telling him meetings are expected to take place in Los Angeles. We'll see how all of that unfolds. Uh, You know, Kyrie Irving, the name has been linked to the Suns here for a little while. Uh, Even prior to Kevin Durant coming here, then kind of picking up steam with Kevin Durant coming here. How does it all work money-wise? Does it work all money-wise? Is this all just kind of a leverage play for Kyrie Irving as well. We'll uh, continue some NBA discussion on the other side of the break. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060. Have you downloaded the KDOS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Dude. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDOS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. This Thursday, June 29th edition of Extra Point, KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. 
The Diamondbacks, they're hosting the Mets on Tuesday, July 4th. You can spend the day watching some baseball in the air conditioning with the first 15,000 fans of the game receiving a patriotic T-shirt. For more information and to secure your tickets now, visit dbacks.com slash tickets. We'll have a four-pack of tickets a little bit later on in the program. Continuing our NBA conversation, thanks to James Herbert, cbssports.com for joining us. You can podcast over at KDOS 10. 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. As we went to break there, talking about Chris Haynes reporting from TNT and Bleacher Report that Kyrie Irvin expected to meet with the Suns along with the Dallas Mavericks uh, in Los Angeles when free agency begins. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how money-wise this works, uh, but there seems to be no limit at this point for for what is being willing to be spent. But if you just look at also uh, for the Dallas Mavericks, are they really willing to walk away from Kyrie Irving considering they gave up uh, you know, everything that they did in order to acquire him in season, knowing full well that his contract was expiring as well? So you had to think that this was a long-term move, uh, trying to find something to pair with Luka Doncic to make this a a run for the Dallas Mavericks. Also, just money-wise, for the Dallas Mavericks, uh, you know, they have the ability here more so than the Phoenix Suns do because Irving is eligible there to sign a five-year, $272 million contract extension. So, uh, you know, a lot here. We are entering that phase of, of smoke screens, leverage play, a lot of lot of talk ahead of actual signing so it'll be an interesting period when it gets officially underway tomorrow but obviously those reports coming out today uh, coming from Chris Haynes some other NBA things that have caught my attention at least in terms of contracts that are officially done not done uh, you have the Bulls and Nikola Vucevic agreeing to a contract extension Woj reporting that it's three years 60 million dollars played all 82 games and average 17.6 points per game for the Bulls last season. A name that... Uh, James had mentioned in the previous segment that caught my attention here with the Timberwolves declining Torian Prince's $7.4 million contract. He'll be set to be a free agent, 29 years old. He averaged 8.1 points per game in two seasons with the T-Wolves. And according to Bobby Marks with ESPN, the move now puts the Timberwolves below the luxury tax. But he could be uh, a player that the Suns could be targeting here in the free agency market. And of course, we can't have a season, a trade deadline, a free agency period where the Suns and Eric Gordon's name is not brought up here. And it's because the Clippers have uh, decided not to uh, guarantee Eric Gordon's $21 million contract here. So the move for the Clippers does a lot for them in terms of that luxury tax situation. The move drops the Clippers tax bill. Just the bill that's due, 169 million to 59 million. They are 18 million over the 165 million dollar tax threshold, according to Bobby Marks. It's crazy throwing these numbers out. It's like it's monopoly money, yet it's real. Like we're talking about 169 million dollars uh, that they're 18 million over the 165 million dollar tax threshold. But moving on from Eric Gordon here to try to drop that bill quite significantly for the Clippers. But 
Like I said, Gordon's name has been synonymous with Suns free agency trade deadline. He fits what they need as well. They continue to need somebody who can shoot the three, play some defense. When you look at what he did, it was a very small sample size for Eric Gordon this past season with the Clippers as he rejoined the team last year. But it was 42.3% from three with the Clippers in the regular season. They did play the Suns in the playoffs, and his shooting percentage from behind the arc did drop a bit, uh, 34.5% in the playoffs for Eric Gordon. But certainly... um, I don't think that name, unless he finds somewhere else to go, uh, is going to go away quietly, at least among fans uh, wanting Eric Gordon's services here. Plus, again, it's an area of need, right? You you have to think that the Suns are really going to be focusing on some floor spacers, people that are going to be able to shoot the three, play defense. That's really important. Uh, And then, of course, how many of the Suns players are they going to be targeting? Because they have a lot of free agents on this roster. How many are they going to be bringing back? We have the question involving Torrey Craig. Should they be all in on trying to bring back Torrey Craig? But you also have to consider uh, Bisbach Biombo. You also have to consider... um, Josh Okogie, you also have to consider Jock Landell. How many of those players are the Suns going to be all in on that are free agents here as that conversation period gets started tomorrow? We will step aside from the world of basketball, and on the other side, we'll get into the PGA Tour as the Rocket Mortgage Classic is underway. We'll see how things are unfolding from Detroit. Here is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. James Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. Wrapping up hour number one on this Thursday, June 29th. Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Bob Kemp scheduled to be off today, expected to return tomorrow in the sports zone. We'll have our regular three hour block for you. Taking a look at what's going on at the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit, we had previewed this event as being kind of one of these where, again, somebody who's a short hit can win, somebody who's a long hitter can win, somebody who's not accurate off the tee can win because uh, you're you're not really penalized for missing the fairways and there's still plenty of opportunities for you to score and it kind of comes out to being a putting contest and what we've seen with players being able to play on these bent grass greens is that they just roll so pure and when you get get everything all matched up, these guys are just so good and we're seeing really low scores yet again on a Thursday. Peter Koost, he's out in front at eight under par. I honestly don't know anything about Peter, but that again just shows you how good and how how deep it potentially is out here on the PGA Tour. Sam Ryder, Aaron Rye, Ludwig, Adberg, and Sam Bennett all shot seven under par this morning and are a tie for second. And I want to take a minute to talk about Ludwig. Uh, so Ludwig He's a he's a young guy. He's coming out of Texas Tech, and um, he's been a former world number one amateur. And what's kind of unique about his journey here to the PGA Tour is that he becomes the first player to ever go through the brand new PGA Tour University system. And so he ended up finishing number one on the 2023 PGA Tour University ranking. So he was able to earn his PGA Tour card through that program. So he didn't have to go through 
through qualifying school. He didn't have to go through what traditionally happens with players who are world number one and have this sort of buzz about them heading into the professional ranks, concluding their collegiate careers, is that they end up getting sponsors' invites here into events late in the summer. And if they accumulate enough money, they don't have to go through Q School because they earn their tour card that way. If you go back several years ago now to John Rahm, when he was coming out of ASU, went to the PGA Tour, he did something very similar where he was able to earn enough money to get his tour card and bypassed uh, having to go through Q school or having to go through the Corn Ferry tour process. So Ludwig uh, is that player that has now gone through this new PGA Tour University ranking system, and he's making the most of it. He's making waves. He shoots seven under par here. Uh, he also did it by hitting 14 of 14 fairways. That's pretty darn impressive. And then I wanted to talk about Sam Bennett. You probably remember the name Sam Bennett uh, for being the amateur that was making making noise and making a name for himself at Augusta National. He has obviously now since turned professional here. He's had the opportunity to compete uh, in the U.S. Open. He's played in the Memorial, and now he's here playing in this event, and he also played really well. When it comes to the players that were at the top of the Board that we were monitoring to see, you know, how, how's their game? Is it turning around here? Justin Thomas, he's one under par through three holes, just getting his round underway. Max Homa was in a similar category. He's one under par through four. Colin Morikawa, I seem to not be able to get Colin Morikawa right. When I think his metrics are telling me he's ball striking it really well, is the putter going to show up? Then his ball striking uh, fails me when I go and bet on him. Then when I don't, that's when he he finds it all again and here he is uh, shooting six under par today 66 and he's in a tie for sixth place defending champion Tony Finau he shot even par today that's in a tie for 78th so you need to be going low like I said in order to uh, give yourself a chance to make the cut this week at the Rocket Mortgage Classic we'll have more uh, PGA Tour conversation throughout today and tomorrow's programming but on the other side of the break we'll get ready for for our number two of Extra Point. We'll also pop on out to the KDUS hotline uh, as we'll be joined by Jeff Reuter of The Athletic. He sets the scene for us. We're just a couple of weeks away from that July 21st date where the U.S. women's national soccer team gets group play started in the U.S. Women's World Cup. So we'll uh, talk to Jeff. He'll set the scene for us with the team. That's coming up in the next hour at 11.15. It is Kayla Mortolaro right here on KDUS AM 1060, online at KDUS1060.com, and with the KDUS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. 